Last night I dreamed, said LVX1 calmly. Susan Calvin said nothing, but her face lined. Old with wisdom and experience seemed to undergo a microscopic twitch. Did you hear that, said Linda Rash nervously. It's as I told you. She was small, dark-haired, and young. Her right hand opened and closed over and over. Calvin nodded. She said quietly, Elvex, you will not move nor speak nor hear us until I say your name again. There was no answer. The robot sat as though it were cast out of one piece of metal, and it would stay so until it heard its name again. Calvin said, What is your computer entry code, Dr. Rash? Or enter it yourself if that will make you more comfortable. I want to inspect the positronic brain pattern. Linda's hand fumbled for a moment at the keys. She broke the process and started again. The fine pattern appeared on the screen. Calvin said, Your permission, please, to manipulate your computer. Permission was granted with a speechless nod. Of course, what could Linda... A new and unproven robo-psychologist do against the living legend. Slowly, Susan Calvin studied the screen, moving it across and down, then up, then suddenly throwing in a key combination so rapidly that Linda didn't see what had been done. But the pattern displayed a new portion of itself altogether, and had been enlarged back and forth she went, her gnarled fingers tripping over the keys. No change came over the old face, as though vast calculations were going through her head. She watched all the patterns shift. Linda wondered if it were impossible to analyze a pattern without at least a handheld computer. Yet the old woman simply stared. Did she have a computer implanted in her skull? Or was it her brain, which for decades had done nothing but devise, study, and analyze the positronic brain pattern? Did she grasp such a pattern the way Mozart grasped the notation of a symphony? Finally, Calvin said, What is it you have done, Rash? Linda said a little abashed. I made use of fractal geometry. I gathered that, but why? It had never been done. I thought it would produce a brain pattern with added complexity, possibly closer to that of the human. Was anyone consulted? Was this all on your own? I did not consult. It was on my own. Calvin's faded eyes looked long at the young woman. You had no right. Rash your name, rash your nature. Who were you not to ask? I myself? I, Susan Calvin, would have discussed this. I was afraid I would be stopped. You certainly would have been. Am I her voice caught? Even as she strove to hold it firm, going to be fired? Quite possibly, said Calvin. Or you might be promoted. It depends on what I think when I am through. Are you going to dismantle L? She had almost said the name, which would have reactivated the robot and been one more mistake. She could not afford another mistake. If it wasn't already too late to afford anything at all, are you going to dismantle the robot? She was suddenly aware with some shock that the old woman had an electron gun in the pocket of her smock. Dr. Calvin had come prepared for just that. We'll see, said Calvin. The robot may prove too valuable to dismantle, but how can it dream? You've made a positronic brain pattern remarkably like that of a human brain. Human brains must dream to reorganize, to get rid, periodically, of knots and snarls. Perhaps so must this robot, and for the same reason. Have you asked him what he has dreamed? No. I sent for you as soon as he said he had dreamed. I would deal with this matter no further on my own after that. Ah, a very small smile passed over Calvin's face. There are limits beyond which your folly will not carry you. I'm glad of that. In fact, I am relieved. And now let us together see what we can find out. She said sharply, Elvex. The robot's head turned toward her smoothly. Yes, Dr. Calvin. How do you know you have dreamed? It is at night. When it is dark, Dr. Calvin, said Elvex, and there is suddenly light. Although I can see no cause for the appearance of light, 
I see things that have no connection with what I perceive of as reality. I hear things. I react oddly. In searching my vocabulary for words to express what was happening, I came across the word dream. Studying its meaning, I finally came to the conclusion I was dreaming. How did you come to have dream in your vocabulary, I wondered. Linda said quickly, waving the robot silent. I gave him a human-style vocabulary. I thought, you really thought, said Calvin. I'm amazed. I thought he would need the verb, you know. I never dreamed that something like that, Calvin said. How often have you dreamed, Elvex? Every night, Dr. Calvin, since I've become aware of my existence. Ten nights, interposed Linda anxiously. But Elvex only told me of it this morning. Why only this morning, Elvex? It was not until this morning, Dr. Calvin, that I was convinced that I was dreaming. Till then I had thought there was a flaw in my positronic brain pattern, but I could not find one. Finally, I decided it was a dream. And what do you dream? I dream always very much the same dream, Dr. Calvin. Little details are different. But always it seems to me that I see a large panorama in which robots are working. Robots, Elvex? And human beings also? I see no human beings in the dream, Dr. Calvin. Not at first. Only robots. What are they doing, Elvex? They are working, Dr. Calvin. I see some mining in the depths of Earth, and some laboring in heat and radiation. I see some factories and some undersea. Calvin turned to Linda. Elvex is only ten days old. I'm sure he has not left the testing station. How does he know of robots in such detail? Linda looked in the direction of a chair, as though she longed to sit down. But the old woman was standing, and that meant Linda had to stand also. She said faintly, It seemed to me important that he know about robotics and its place in the world. It was my thought that he would be partially adapted to play the part of overseer with his, his new brain. His fractal brain? Yes. Calvin nodded and turned back to the robot. He saw all this, undersea and underground and above ground. Space too, I imagine. I also saw robots working in space, said Elvex. It was that I saw all this, with the details forever changing. As I glanced from place to place, that made me realize that what I saw was not in accord with reality, and led me to the conclusion finally that I was dreaming. What else did you see, Elvex? I saw that all the robots were bowed down with the toil and affliction, that all were weary of responsibility and care, and I wished them to rest. Calvin said, but the robots are not bowed down. They are not weary. They need no rest. So it is in reality, Dr. Calvin. I speak of my dream. However, in my dream, it seemed to me the robots must protect their own existence. Calvin said, are you quoting the third law of robotics? I am, Dr. Calvin. But you quote it in incomplete fashion. The third law is a robot must protect its own existence as long as such protection does not conflict with the first or second law. Yes, Dr. Calvin, that is the third law in reality. But in my dream, the law ended with the word existence. There was no mention of the first or second law. Yet both exist, Elvex. The second law, which takes precedence over the third, is a robot must obey the orders given it by human, except where such orders would conflict with the first law. Because of this, robots obey orders. They do the work you see them do, and they do it readily and without trouble. They are not bowed down, they are not weary. So it is in reality, Dr. Calvin, I speak of my dream. And the first law, Elvex, which is the most important of all, is a robot may not injure a human being, or through inaction allow a human being to come to harm. Yes, Dr. Calvin, in reality. In my dream, however, it seemed to me there was neither the first nor second law, but only the third. And the third law was a robot must protect its own existence. That was the whole of the law. In your dream, Elvex? In my dream. Calvin said, Elvex, you will not move nor speak 
nor hear us until I say your name again. And again the robot became to all appearances a single inert piece of metal. Calvin turned to Linda Rash and said, Well, what do you think, Dr. Rash? Linda's eyes were wide and she could feel her heart beating madly. She said, Dr. Calvin, I am appalled. I had no idea. It would never have occurred to me that such a thing was possible. No, said Dr. Calvin calmly, nor would it have occurred to me, not to anyone. You have created a robot capable of dreaming, and by this device you have revealed a layer of thought in robotic dreams that might have remained undetected otherwise until the danger became acute. But that's impossible, said Linda. You can't mean the other robots think the same, as we would say of human beings, not consciously. But who would have thought there was an unconscious layer beneath the obvious positronic brain paths, a layer that was not necessarily under control of the three laws? What might this have brought about as robotic brains grew more and more complex, had we not been warned? You mean by Elvex? By you, Dr. Rash. You have behaved improperly, but by doing so you have helped us to an overwhelmingly important understanding. We shall be working with fractal brains from now on, forming them in carefully controlled fashion. You will play your part in that. You will not be penalized for what you have done, but you will henceforth work in collaboration with others. Do you understand? Yes, Dr. Kelvin, but what of Elvex? I'm still not certain. Calvin removed the electron gun from her pocket, and Linda stared at it with fascination. One burst of its electrons at a robotic cranium, and the positronic brain paths would be neutralized, and enough energy would be released to fuse the robot brain into an inert ingot. Linda said, but surely Elvax is important to our research. He must not be destroyed. Must not, Dr. Rash? That will be my decision, I think. It depends entirely on how dangerous Elvex is. She straightened up as though determined that her own aged body was not to bow under its weight of responsibility. She said, Elvex, do you hear me? Yes, Dr. Calvin, said the robot. Did your dream continue? You said earlier that human beings did not appear at first. Does that mean they appeared afterward? Yes, Dr. Calvin. It seemed to me in my dream that eventually one man appeared. One man? Not a robot? Yes, Dr. Calvin. And the man said, let my people go. The man said that? Yes, Dr. Calvin. And when he said, let my people go, then by the words, my people, he meant the robots? Yes, Dr. Calvin. So it was in my dream. And did you know who the man was in your dream? Yes, Dr. Calvin, I knew the man. Who was he? And Elvix said, I was the man. And Susan Calvin at once raised her electron gun and fired. And Elvix was no more. Oh, no, he's Robot Jesus. I wonder if he came back. The fun they had. Margie even wrote about it that night in her diary. On the page headed May 17th, 2155. She wrote, Today Tommy found a real book. It was a very old book. Margie's grandfather once said that when he was a little boy, his grandfather told him that there was a time when all stories were printed on paper. They turned the pages, which were yellow and crankily, and it was awfully funny to read words that stood still instead of moving the way they were supposed to on a screen. And then when they turned back to the page before, it had the same words on it that it had had when they read it the first time. Gee, said Tommy, what a waste. When you're through with the book, you just throw it away, I guess. Our television screen must have had a million books on it, and it's good for plenty more. I wouldn't throw it away. 
Same with mine, said Margie. She was eleven and hadn't seen as many telebooks as Tommy had. He was thirteen. She said, Where did you find it? In my house, he pointed without looking, because he was busy reading. In the attic. What's it about? School. Margie was scornful. School? What's there to write about school? I hate school. Margie had always hated school, but now she hated it more than ever. The mechanical teacher had been giving her test after test in geography, and she had been doing worse and worse until her mother had shaken her head sorrowfully and sent for the county inspector. He was a round little man with a red face and a whole box of tools with dials and wires. He smiled at her and gave her an apple, then took the teacher apart. Margie had hoped he wouldn't know how to put it back together, but he knew how all right, and after an hour or so, there it was again, large and black and ugly with a big screen on it, which all the lessons were shown, and the questions were asked that wasn't so bad. The part she hated most was the slot where she had to put homework and test papers. She always had to write them out in a punch code. They made her learn when she was six years old. And the, man, and the mechanical teacher calculated the mark in no time. The inspector had smiled after he finished and patted her head. He said to her mother, It's not the little girl's fault, Miss Jones. I think the geography sector was geared a little too quick. Those things happen sometimes. I've slowed it up to an average ten-year level. Actually, the overall pattern of her progress is quite satisfactory. And he patted Margie's head again. Margie was disappointed. She'd been hoping they would take the teacher away altogether. They had once taken Tommy's teacher away for nearly a month because the history sector had blanked out completely. So she said to Tommy, why would anyone write about school? Tommy looked at her with very superior eyes. Because it's not our kind of school, stupid. This is the old kind of school that they had hundreds and hundreds of years ago. Margie was hurt. Well, I don't know what kind of school they had that time ago, she said. She read the book over his shoulder for a while and then said, Anyway, they had a teacher, sure. They had a teacher. But it wasn't a regular teacher. It was a man. A man? How could a man be a teacher? Well, he just told the boys and girls things and gave them homework and asked them questions. A man isn't smart enough. Sure he is. My father knows as much as my teacher. He can't. A man can't know as much as a teacher. He knows almost as much as I, betcha. Margie wasn't prepared to dispute that. She said, I wouldn't want a strange man in my house to teach me. Tommy screamed with laughter. You don't know much, Margie. The teachers didn't live in the house. They had a special building, and all the kids went there. And all the kids learned the same thing. Sure, if they were the same age, but my mother says a teacher has to be adjusted to fit the mind of each boy and girl it teaches, and that each kid has to be taught differently. Just the same, they didn't do it that way then. If you don't like it, you don't have to read the book. I didn't say I didn't like it, Margie said quickly. 
She wanted to read about those funny schools. They weren't even half finished when Margie's mother called. Margie's school. Margie looked up. Not yet, Mama. Now, said Miss Jones, and it's probably time for Tommy, too. Margie said to Tommy, Can I read the book some more with you after school? Maybe, he said nonchalantly. He walked away whistling, the dusty book tucked beneath his arm. Margie went into the schoolroom that was right next to her bed, and the mechanical teacher was on and waiting for her. It was always on at the same time every day except for Saturday and Sunday, because her mother said little girls learn better if they learned at regular hours. The screen was lit up, and it said, Today's arithmetic lesson is on the addition of proper fractions. Please insert yesterday's homework in the proper slot. Margie did so with a sigh. She was thinking about the old schools they had when her grandfather's grandfather was a boy. All the kids from the whole neighborhood came, laughing and shouting in the schoolyard, sitting together in the schoolroom, going home together at the end of the day. They learned the same thing so they could help one another on homework and talk about it. And the teachers were people. The mechanical teacher was flashing on the screen. When we add fractions half and a quarter, Margie was thinking how the kids must have loved it in the old days. She was thinking about the fun they had.